I want to invite you to take your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to uh, continue to look today uh, to try to understand uh, from the book of Genesis as we're in this series called In the Beginning, and we want to, to try to understand how the goodness of God comes to us and how it's revealed to us from the book of Genesis. Genesis is a book of beginnings, and it kind of rings true and, and, and sounds uh, familiar to us because we are people who are always seeking new beginnings. We, we think about uh, New Year's Eve and we make those resolutions that we keep about 46, 48 hours. And uh, we, we think about turning over a new leaf. We use language like that. We, we are people who we, we long for new beginnings in our lives. And there's a reason for that. And Genesis helps us understand why we have that desire. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3 today, and we're going to see why we need a new beginning. Why do we need this new beginning that, that is in our hearts and, and this desire we have to turn over a new leaf? Why is that there, and why do we need that? Now, the text we look at is a text that we are somewhat familiar with. It's a, a text I've preached on often, and you can preach various uh, points from it, so I promise you this isn't a recycled sermon or anything else. I, I know I've, I've uh, studied Genesis 3 uh, at great length and, and come to some conclusions that I'd like to share with you today about why we need this new beginning. Of course, what happens in Genesis chapter 3 is that we have the fall of the human race. Something happens that is so great, so drastic, it infects and affects every single person, not to where we're just uh, people who make bad decisions, but we are people who are flawed at the very core of our being, that there is nothing good within us, there is, is nothing redeemable about us in our own power, and Genesis 3 helps us understand that truth. So the story of our fall, the story of our shortcomings. That story teaches us several lessons about why we need a new beginning. Now, I want to give you a little warning ahead of time in that three-fourths of this sermon, it's not going to be a Hallmark greeting card uh, special. Uh, sorry, Clayton. Three-fourths of this message is going to be bad news. And I know it's not popular to talk about bad news, but, but in order for news to be good, it has to be put aside news that is bad. And as we get to Genesis chapter 3, we see a lot of bad news, but hang with me. Don't think what a drag this pastor is today, because by the time we finish, we're going to see some good news. Four lessons that I want you to notice from Genesis chapter 3 about why we need a new beginning. Lesson number one is this. From Genesis chapter 3, we learn the reality of our sin. We learn the reality of our sin. Now, I, I, I shouldn't have to spend a whole lot of time on this point uh, convincing you that you and I are sinners. If you've hung around here any period of time, you've heard me say that I have a PhD in SIN. 
that we, we know what it's like to sin. We are sinners, and Genesis 3 gives us the reality of that sin. Look with me as the chapter opens. Genesis 3, let's read the first seven verses. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked." And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Just from those few verses, you get a, a strong picture of the reality of our sin. And I want you to understand the nature of that sin so we can come to, to terms with it, we can come to grips with it, so that we can find a solution for that sin. You see, what the experience of Adam and Eve teaches us is that sin always involves the distortion of God's Word. Sin always involves the distortion of God's Word. Notice that Eve told Satan when Satan posed his question. Eve said, yet God said we shouldn't eat it, nor should we touch it. Go back and look. God never says don't touch it. He says don't eat from it. But God never says neither shall you touch it. And yet Eve is now adding to what God has said. Anytime you distort the Word of God, it leads to disaster. Sin always involves the distortion of God's truth. Sin always involves the doubting of God's character. It always involves <coughs> the doubting of God's character. The serpent's words to Eve, did God really say? Are you sure that God said that this had to be done? And as soon as he asked that question, that question is meant to cause doubt. And as soon as he asked that question, he moves to attacking the character of God. The serpent says, oh, God doesn't have your best interest at heart. Eve, you really can't trust God. Come to think of it, Eve, you'd be a much better Lord of your life than God is. Eve, no one knows you like you. Eve, you do you and let everybody else take care of it. Does that sound familiar? And that always leads, sin always leads to doubting God's character thinking we know better than God, because it always involves a desire for God's glory. Oh, the serpent said, the, go ahead and eat that fruit, because God knows the day you eat of it, you shall be like God. You distort God's truth, which leads you to doubting God's character, and as you doubt God's character, you begin to desire glory that belongs to God alone. You know what idolatry is? Idolatry is when you give to one of God's creations the glory that only belongs to God. That's idolatry. Even if that creation is you. Even if that creation is you. 
and they begin to distort God's word, they doubt God's character, then they begin to, to, to disobey God's commands as they desire God's glory. You see, sin always leads to disobedience. Eve, Adam and Eve said, I'm going to do it my way. And we are fed the same lies when it comes to sin. We need to learn today the reality of our sin. That's the first big lesson, our re- the reality that we are sinners. Here's the second big lesson. We learn our response to sin. From Adam and Eve's interaction, we learn what our response is to our sin. You see, we become aware, we become uh, uh, understanding, we realize that we're sinners, and then we respond to it. Look at how they responded. Of course, verse, if you notice that uh, verse 7 tells us that their eyes were both open, and they knew that they were naked, or in the Hebrew, that's naked, all right? It's N-E-K-K-E-D. That means it's, it's all, it, everything's being born. So verse 8 says that after they, their nakedness was apparent to them, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Everybody here knows what that feels like because you know what it's like when a parent catches you and they ask you about what you've done, right? And you know that they know that you know that they know, etc. Tell you, I thought jokes and funny sayings to a church that was empty was bad. It's really not much different with y'all in here. <laughs> laugh at home for me, folks. Laugh at home for me. Who told you you were naked? Have you in that tree? Verse 12, the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the truth and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. When Adam and Eve, when they sensed their nakedness, they sought cover. That is a picture of humanity. That's a picture of me. That's a picture of you. When the nakedness of our soul is is displayed, when we come to the realization that we stand guilty before God, when we come to understand that we are sinners, our first inclination is to seek cover. Adam and Eve hid, and we try to hide too. We, we, we try to hide. That's our response. It's to try to hide from our sin. We, we, We try to rationalize our righteousness. Well, yeah, I know that what I've done is uh, not right, but at least I'm not doing what fill-in-the-blank is doing. And have you ever used God's name in -in fill-in-the-blank? I haven't. (laughs) I've never gone, well, at least I'm not doing what God's doing. I always try to think of somebody else who is at least publicly uh, louder than I am in their sin. We try to rationalize our, our righteousness, or, or we refuse to consider the consequences. If, if, we knew the, if we knew the consequences of our actions beforehand, I believe that that would uh, curve a lot of sin in our lives, but sometimes we fail to think about those consequences, or we do what Adam and Eve did. We assign blame to someone else. We blame anyone but ourselves. Oh, 
I was in a difficult circumstance. I was under a lot of stress. I was just hanging around the wrong crowd. Well, they did me wrong first. See, this isn't a story about Adam and Eve. This is a story about you and me. This is, uh, this is opening up a, a, a mirror to help us see ourselves reflected in Adam and Eve. We are sin sick, and we cannot cure that sickness by our natural response to the sin problem. So we understand the reality of our sin. We, we also learn the response of our sin. And then number three, we learn the results of our sin. From Adam and Eve's experience, we learn the results of our sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, it has a huge impact, huge impact in their lives and the lives of everyone who has lived after them. Look at what it says in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise his head, and, and you shall, uh, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorn and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Jump down to verse 22. It says, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. What tremendous impact. We are feeling today the effects of sin. The results of sin, life becomes painful because of sin. Now, it mentions childbirth, the woman in childbirth and the pain, but it's more than that. It's, it's pain in every area of life. Life is difficult because of sin. Conflict entered relationships because of sin. God talked about the woman's difficulty in relating to the man, and that is symptomatic of bigger things because guess what happens in the next chapter? There's a conflict between two brothers, Cain and Abel, and there's a murder because of that conflict. Conflict begins to enter relationships, and, and living in this world becomes difficult. The world is cursed around us. The reason that we have natural disasters, the reason that we have to uh, watch fires take place, the reason that we're dealing with the outbreak of a, of a virus, all of that is ultimately the result of fallen people who live in a fallen world who have made sinful choices. See, when sin entered the world, physical life began to wind down, not up. The clock began to tick 
Death is a result of sin. The day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Adam and Eve did not drop dead when they ate it, but they began to die. And we too are moving toward death. It's a result of sin. But the most damaging result of sin is this. The relationship with God was broken. Notice those couple of verses where it talked about in verse 24, he drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherub on a flaming sword. That's a sword of justice that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Because of sin, we lost the eternal presence of God. This is the greatest, this is the harshest result. We lost relationship with the one God who was able to bring joy and fulfillment to our lives. Now, if the story ended there, we would not want to come back next week. If the story ended there, we would uh, want to go home, get in a fetal position, and suck our thumb for the rest of our days. But the sermon's not quite over, because there's a fourth lesson that we learn. It's been bad news. Here comes your good news. We learn the remedy for our sin. We learn that we've seen why we need a new beginning. Because our sin is real. And we've responded in a way that we try to run and hide from God. And, and that sin results in some disastrous things. But there is hope in that darkness. The remedy for sin Look back at verse 9 of, of Genesis chapter 3 with me. Where Adam and Eve ascend, and verse 9 says, The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Well, watch this. Adam and Eve were expecting God to destroy them. That's why they hide in the first place. They are expecting God to come and destroy them, hence they're hiding. Instead, God came searching for his lost children. God came looking for them, not to destroy them, but to bring them back in relationship with him. And then God makes a bold promise in chapter 3 and verse 15. When he's speaking to the serpent, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, this, this seed of the woman, he shall bruise your head, crush your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. This is the first promise of Jesus Christ. The offspring that's mentioned in this verse is Jesus. And God points to a future cosmic battle that will take place where the serpent, Satan, will bite the heel of Jesus, but Jesus will crush the serpent's head. And this, this verse is so important. You need to underline it. You need to highlight it. You, need to, you can even get it tattooed somewhere on you. It's so important. This verse is so important because every narrative in the Bible flows from this promise. And if I could just take one quick stream of that river to show you that by the time we get to Romans chapter 5, we have Adam 2.0. By the time we get to Romans chapter 5, Jesus would come as a second version of Adam. 
In fact, Romans 5 calls him the second Adam. A truer and better Adam. Jesus did what Adam and Eve should have done, but did not. Jesus withstood the temptation of Satan, even though the stakes were higher, even though the temptation was stronger. Jesus, just like Adam, was tempted by Satan. But Jesus, unlike Adam, Jesus was in the wilderness, and it lasted for 40 days. Adam was in paradise with everything to, to around him to love. Jesus, unlike Adam, faced numerous temptations during that time period, but he resisted every temptation by doing the one thing Adam and Eve did not do. Jesus focused on what God had said. And as Jesus withstood his temptation, the serpent did indeed bite him. Yet in that moment on the cross, when it appeared that the serpent had won, God was actually crushing the serpent's head. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They ate from a tree and died. Jesus will obey God. He will climb up on a tree willingly to bring life from death. He will climb up on that tree to take the curse so that we could be released from it. That sword of God's justice that kept Adam and Eve from coming back into that Garden of Eden, Jesus took that flaming sword of justice into himself on the cross so that now the presence of God could be joined back with the people of God. And look at how this scene ends in verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and clothed them. God took an animal, killed it, and used the skin to cover their nakedness, to cover their sin. This points us toward the death of Jesus, where his death covers our sin and clothes us in his righteousness. Oh, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and the best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Listen, I've got some great news for you. I've got the best news you're going to hear all day. The best news you will hear all day is this. If you don't have a relationship with this great God, you can begin one today through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. You see, repentance means that you come out of hiding. Repentance means that you stop blaming someone or something else. Repentance means you own your sin. The gospel message is this. If you will expose your sin to Jesus, he will cover it. If you try to cover your sin from Jesus, he will expose it. Genesis chapter 3 is not someone else's story. It is your story. It is my story. Can you admit that you're a sinner who does more than just make mistakes? 
Can you admit that you're a sinner who cannot save yourself? Have you realized that at this moment, God is looking for you, just like he was looking for Adam and Eve? God sent his son on a rescue mission for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for you. Have you received his death for you personally? If not, you can today. Whether you're sitting in this sanctuary, whether you're watching us online, whether you're watching today or whether God brings you to this message uh, a year from now, a month from now, a week from now, God will not change. And God is simply a prayer away. If you will confess your sins to God, repent of those sins, ask Jesus to save you, the Bible teaches that he will do just that. In fact, if that's the decision you need to make, we want to encourage you right now, whether you're in this building or watching us online, right now to cry out to God. I'll pray in a moment for us as we begin to wrap up, but right now, cry out to God. Pray to God right now. If there's a decision you need to make for him, for salvation, if there's a desire God has placed upon your heart to follow him in baptism, if God has laid it upon your heart to be a part of the ministry and the mission of First Baptist Milton, I don't know what step it is that you need to take, but all I do know is that God stands ready to empower and equip you to take that next step. If you're here in our auditorium, our sanctuary today, you will find a yellow card at the pew in front of you. That is your decision card. If you need to make a decision today, then you just indicate on that card what decision you need to make. And as you leave today, you drop that in the receptacles that we'll have on the way out, and we'll follow up with you to give you some resources to equip you to take that next step. If you're watching us online, you go to our website, fbcmilton.org, and there's a, a link on the homepage of, uh, that has a graphic called My Decision. You just click that link, and it takes you to the same information, and you can let us know the decision you've made today, and we will uh, be praying for you in that way and follow up with you in that way so that God can uh, you. you you and God can begin to take the next step in your journey together. Don't let this day end without receiving and applying the greatest news of all, the news of Jesus Christ. Tell you what, can I just pray for us? And after I pray for us, you hang with me. If you're online, hang just a couple of minutes, have a few announcements. But I want to just pray for us right now. Father God, I thank you that Jesus came to live a life that I could never live. In every way that Adam and Eve failed, I have failed. Jesus did not. And when he died on a cross, he died for me. I pray if there's one in this room, I pray if there's one listening to us online, I pray if they're listening on the radio, Lord, I believe that you're sovereign in all things. I believe that you'll take your word and you'll put it in the ears of people who need to hear it. So, Father, I pray as... as the person who needs to have a relationship with you as they hear this message, that today that they would not be wowed or awed by any skills of anyone other than the saving grace of Jesus. And I pray today that they would let go of their sin and cling to you as a Savior. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Make a couple announcements before we, do, before we are dismissed, just again, so we're all on the same page. We remain today, if you recall back, uh, we uh, made information available to you, a few, several weeks ago, about the different phases and stages that we are going to walk through as we return uh, to normality around here. And we remain in phase or stage one. Uh, we started that last Sunday. We remain in that stage this week. What that means is that there are no activities or meetings on our church campus this week. But we will once again next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., uh, worship service only at 10.30. You can come on site. You can continue to worship with us online if that is more comfortable for you. You need to use your discretion and Holy Spirit discernment in making those plans and those decisions. But know again that next Sunday we will again be here at 10.30 a.m. Uh, on site as well as online. Also, we'll be contacting you as our church family this week. We're seeking a little bit of feedback from you, so when you get that request for feedback, help us out and, and give us that feedback. I haven't met a church member yet who was hesitant to give me their feedback, and uh, so I hope that you will help us in that way to give us some feedback to inform some decisions that we'll make going forward. I do look forward to, uh, to, to planning what we're calling Welcome Back Sunday. I want you to stay tuned for more information and for dates on that. Uh, Welcome Back Sunday. Don't ask me what it is because I ain't going to tell you. Uh, we, else we don't know exactly, but we know it's on the horizon. And that's going to kind of be our kickoff to a more normal, notice I said more normal schedule. Uh, we don't know how close to normal will ever be again, but it'll be our introduction to a more normal schedule. As you heard earlier, our office is closed tomorrow for Memorial Day. We're always an email or a call away anytime that you need something. We're here to serve you during this time. As always, you can give anytime to fund the mission and ministry of First Baptist Church. If you brought an offering today, when you leave here today, as you walk out the doors, you'll see a box that says decisions and tithes. So if you've made a decision, uh, you can put that decision card in there. If you have an offering, you can place that in there and we'll handle it from that point forward. You can also always online 247fbcmilton.org slash giving. You can give in that way. Let me close us in prayer. And after I pray, we'll call the morning here at Milton's First Baptist Church. Father, thank you for being a good God who does good things for us. And Lord, as we now leave this place or as we prepare to, to, to close out our, our computers or our TVs at home, I pray that you would help us to realize that we are now entering the mission field, that we will come across people every day who need the same new beginning that Jesus gave us. So help us to be faithful in sharing that. In the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you.